Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Luke 4, 38 through 44. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Luke in your Bible. After leaving the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her. Then he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Immediately she got up and began to serve them. As the sun was setting, all those who had had who had any who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him, and he laid hands on each of them and cured them. Demons also came out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Messiah. At daybreak he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowds were looking for him, and when they reached him, they wanted to prevent him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must, must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he continued proclaiming the message in the synagogues of Judea. Well, we've been uh, going through Luke, and, and we're continuing to. Um, I, I won't rehearse everything that we have said from uh, Luke chapter 1 and the first week of Advent until now. Uh, but we've been watching Jesus in his public ministry now. Uh, most recently, we saw him get baptized and, and then immediately go into the wilderness for a time of, of preparation and testing where he's uh, tested by the devil for, for 40 days. Uh, immediately he comes out of that and he goes home to his hometown where he reads a bit of scripture from, from the prophet Isaiah and uh, at first he's received really, really well and they think it's amazing. But then he kind of lets them believe that you know, like the salvation that he is bringing isn't just for them or just first for them. And they don't like it, so they, they drive Jesus out of a town and try to throw him off a cliff. Uh, well, he leaves, he leaves his whole town, and he goes uh, around the countryside, and uh, he's at a synagogue again the next, I don't know if it's the next Sabbath, uh, but he, he's there teaching and, and reading scripture again. And uh, all of a sudden, a demon-possessed man stands up and yells at Jesus. And uh, last week, we, we said that Jesus, uh, well, he... He cast the demon out, and one of the things we, we struggled with was, uh, why, why didn't he just like destroy the demon and, and just be done with it? But that, that maybe God's hopes for creation is that everything, uh, even those things that are pure evil, uh, would someday respond to the grace of God and come back. Uh, we, we pondered whether that was the, how grand God's message is, um, that God wants all things to come back to him. Well, um, uh, so all of that, though, is kind of uh, beginning to work on the things that Jesus said he would do in that sermon he preached to his hometown, uh, recovery of sight for, to the blind and letting the oppressed go free and, and healing folks. And so Jesus is literally setting about doing the things that he said he would do. Well, that Sabbath is over, and he is with a group of folks, one of which is Simon, better known as Peter. Uh, Luke hasn't inter introduced us to Peter just yet. Um, I kind of get the impression that he's just a, in, in, uh, in Luke's world, he's just a, a character that everybody already knows, so he doesn't really need to introduce him. Well, uh, they are going to Sabbath dinner at Simon's house. 
and uh, his mother-in-law is there. I, can you imagine, though, uh, the conversation that they might have had while they were walking from the synagogue to Peter's house, Simon Peter's house? Like, uh, was it like just chit-chat, or did they were trying to unpack what it was that Jesus had just done? Because uh, I'm sure even for those guys who were with Jesus at this particular point in his ministry, didn't really, well, that's not something they would have seen on the regular basis. Uh, someone, a, a demon, getting cast out of somebody. Well, they, they get to uh, Simon's um, house, and Luke tells us, almost kind of in an aside, parenth- parenthetically anyway, that Simon's mother is sick with a fever. Uh, Simon's mother-in-law, rather. The fact that Simon's mother-in-law is with, living with him is, wouldn't be that uh, unusual because it's likely that her husband had died and, and Simon and his wife had extended the appropriate hospitality to them and, and part of the, the Jewish commandments to, to take care of those who are, uh, are on the margins, who are least, who are fragile and, and vulnerable, and, and widows were among that class. And so it was a good thing. And maybe this is one of the reasons that Jesus calls Simon to be a disciple, is that he's already shown some of these basic obedience to, to God and to love God and his mother-in-law, his neighbor. We'll call her a neighbor. Well, she's got a fever. And uh, one of the commentators that I read uh, says that the grammatical construction of this particular phrase uh, is uh, kind of tells us that this fever isn't just like a one-time thing, that it is a chronic illness, something from which Simon Peter's mother uh, suffers regularly. Uh, I, I think maybe that, that flavors what, how this thing goes down a little bit. Last week, the man that we encountered who was possessed by a demon, he was in bondage to evil, spiritual evil, maybe. Uh, And Jesus enacts this wonderful miracle where he casts the demon out. Simon's mother-in-law, I think, on this on this hand is, uh, well, she is she is uh, oppressed by a a routine sickness, a regular, reoccurring sickness. Uh, That Jesus comes not just to do battle against evil or demons or whatever, uh, but that Jesus is concerned. Uh, with everything that might, that might make us captive, that might keep us from being, uh, that might keep us from being the, uh, the people that we want. I, 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 think this is, uh, I think this is what I want to say about this at this particular moment. Uh, Jesus has come to free humanity from anything that might keep people from, keep people from flourishing in the way that God intends. Uh, we're a broken people. The world is broken. If, if the story that Marsha tells us is any indication, uh, that may not happen regularly in that particular village, but it happens regularly somewhere. And we all experience it, uh, it every day, too. We encounter people who are, who are sick and uh, who have mental issues that, that keep them from being full and human and, and right and good. Uh, that keep them from experiencing and living in God's peace, his shalom, his wholeness. And, and so we, we have to say, I think we have to say, that Jesus has come to not just fix us spiritually, but to enact 
salvation for us physically as well. Now, I realize that that doesn't always happen. Uh, that sometimes we pray for people to get better and they don't. And I have no good answers for that. Uh, I just know that maybe, maybe perhaps the healing that those people uh, will receive, they receive after, well, Christ comes back and makes all things new. Well, Jesus uh, walks in, and Luke tells us that he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she got up and began to serve her, serve them. Uh, a couple of things here, and, and we miss it with the English translation, uh, but a couple of things here uh, in the original language are meant to make us uh, think back to the story that just has happened uh, and connected to other things that Jesus will do. The fact that Jesus stands over her uh, in, in a position kind of of authority. The best way I can think to, to understand this is when your kid does something wrong, right? And you are upset at what they're doing. Like one of the, one of the things that I think is most natural is to stand over them and like speak down to them. I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, right? Uh, but, but your physical presence, especially Jesse's, is terrifying. I love you, you know that. Uh, it's, it's the same reason like a, a, a mama bear, when her cubs are threatened, will stand up on all four legs, make themselves look as big as possible. Uh, now, now, I think Jesus, is he's not standing over her to kind of front authority and power, but Jesus stands over this, this woman who is plagued by this fever uh, in actual power and authority. And he rebuked the fever, and it left her. Uh, it is, he speaks, and now later on he'll lay hands, but I think Luke wants us to understand that this is almost the same thing as what Jesus just did with the demon that he speaks to it, and that the demon, uh, that the sickness leaves. Uh, left her, though, is the same phrase, the same word that Jesus used in his hometown sermon for release, release of the captives, and to let the prisoners go free. It's that same, it's that same phrase. And so Luke wants us to understand that this physical healing that Jesus has done is a significant part of what Jesus has come to do here on earth. Well, uh, she gets up and begins to serve them, and I think that the only uh, physically, spiritually, mentally, whenever Jesus heals us, our appropriate response is one of gratitude and worship, and maybe even service. We'll come back to that at the end. Well, the story goes on, and Luke tells us, as the sun was setting, all those who had any, who had any uh, were sick, who were sick, uh, with various kinds of diseases, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on each of them and cured him. Word has traveled fast around the countryside, and they know what Jesus can do, and, and uh, perhaps maybe those that were with uh, Simon, and Peter, Simon Peter at his house that day went and ran out and told their friends, who told those, their friends, and, and they came in great numbers to Simon's house, hoping that Jesus might enact the same kind of release the same kind of liberation and freedom, healing uh, that Jesus had brung. Uh, he, well, he laid his hands on them and he cured them. So it's a little bit different than, than what he did with Simon's mom. Uh, one commentator that I read thought maybe this might allude to kind of God's act of creation and redemption. Uh, that it is, 
God opening his arms and embracing those who are broken and sick. And God's embrace brings about wholeness and healing. Going forward, demons came out of many shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Messiah. Uh, I want to stop and and look at this for just a second uh, because Jesus will do this. He will tell these uh, demons not to speak about him. And uh, every week I post sermon questions on the website and they're meant to help you get kind of oriented what I'm going to say today. There's other things that I uh, could give you too if you were inclined. But one of the questions was why, why, Jesus, why would Jesus do this? Uh, somebody uh, sent me a note about what, those, what the possible reasons might be. And uh, i got to find my notes here. One of the things that she said was that Jesus might have told them not to speak out because uh, he didn't want them to distort uh, and disfigure the truth about who he was and what he would come to do. Uh, that demons and, and, and uh, evil things that are liars and are deceitful. And I think this is important, and, and we'll, we'll get to this too here. I think this is what Jesus deals with in the next little bit, as well as from his, uh, from his wilderness testing. Uh, that Jesus is tempted in his wilderness testing to, to become the Messiah in a way that doesn't, well, that isn't given in service to the world, but that serves him only. I wonder if Jesus knew that these demons would go around to the countryside and yes, maybe even draw people to Jesus, but, but then twist the things that Jesus would say or he would do and make them believe that Jesus came only for them or that it was a way for them to become rich or, or whatever it might be. Um, this line of thought writ, um, brought me, actually, our family read this last night, uh, Galatians 1, 6 through 9. And Paul is writing a letter to uh, this, the churches in Galatia. And this is towards the end of that, that chapter. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but that there are some who are confusing you and want you to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, should, even if we or an angel should, from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. And, we have, and as we have said before, and now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to, to what you have received, let that one be accursed. Paul is concerned that there are folks around them who would take the message of Jesus Christ and twist it and make it used for their own gain. And I wonder, I wonder if that's what Jesus is afraid of with these demons. Uh, That they would take the message, the good message, and, and, and tweak it just a little bit so that Faithfulness is not loving your neighbor, but following all the rules exactly, or something like that. Well, uh, we're meant to believe that uh, Jesus does this healing stuff all night long. And 
if you're ever with crowds, even if you are a people person, at some point you get tired of them, right? And maybe you just need a little time, especially if everybody's calling you to do something. You just need some time away. So Luke tells us that, that Jesus steals off to a deserted place. Uh, literally, uh, in Luke's gospel, it is a desert place. And, and again, the desert in Israel and in and Luke's gospel is a place of trial and temptation, a place of preparation for being uh, what God wants us to be. For Jesus to remain faithful to the call to give himself fully for the sake of all of creation. So he goes and he prays and he spends time alone and he is reassured and empowered and strengthened and reminded of the mission that he is on to bring about salvation for all of creation. Well, his disciples uh, eventually figure out where he is and they go to him and they're like, hey, uh, everybody wants you. Like, let's go back to the house and we can set up shop and you can heal a whole bunch of more people. Uh, not a bad thing, right? Not, not a bad thing? Like, it would be good if Jesus just stood right there and said, okay, yes, we'll build a building right here and we will have everybody come in and we'll have a line and ropes and so people know it would be like, it'll be like Disney World and um, if you got enough money, you can have a fast pass and you skip to the front of the line. Had he done that, uh, he would have gotten more and more popular and, and, and maybe the message that he was giving might have been twisted and distorted. But he says this. He says to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other cities also, for this is, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus doesn't give in to the temptation to stay still and to build something that would be, well, maybe a little bit of an idol, right? Uh, to, to build something where uh, it's all about Jesus and what he can do. Now, I, I realize I'm, I'm splitting some hairs here. But I think in, in those situations, uh, the temptation to come to have this spectacular things that Jesus can do to serve himself rather than to serve the whole world. Jesus says, uh, and this is a divine imperative, uh, that going out and spreading the good news about the gospel is what he must do. If Jesus is committed to the gospel, if he's committed to the plan of salvation that uh, the Trinity have come up with, if he's committed to that, then he must go around and continually protect or continue to proclaim the gospel from the very beginning of time God's our God's relationship to us is not one of you need to come to me from, from the very beginning God is always going and searching and finding us and drawing us to himself right Adam and Eve they eat, the, they eat the apple or whatever it is, pomegranate, and they're, they're, they realize they're naked and so they sow the fig leaves and they hear God coming and they run away and hide. And, and God, rather than being like, well, I'll just wait till they come to me, like 
he goes and seeks them out in their sinfulness. This is, I think, the nature of who God is at the, at the very core. It is a love that goes out. Uh, that is not content to, to stay still and to build something for itself. But it is constantly going out and seeking and calling us, calling us to participate in what he's doing in the world. And I think, I think this is God's, well, God's mission for us. God's mission in the world is about helping and healing, providing freedom from the things that entrap us, be they physical, spiritual, mental, or emotional. And that mission is always moving out. As I've thought about this, I, I think this is, this is how the church is supposed to be. That, that Jesus calls us to participate in the mission that he is already doing. Which means that we have to be the ones who go out proclaiming this gospel. Uh, that we, we understand that the importance of our lives is not necessarily what happens here on Sunday morning. Although I want you to come. Don't not come. Because this is an important part of things too. That our mission, that what God has called us to from the very beginning of this whole thing called Christianity is to go and be disciples to love and help people find freedom from all of the things that oppress them. Now, we got to come here first, though. If we gather, it is so that you and I can experience and find freedom and healing for ourselves. Uh, that we come together and in ways that we can't do by ourselves, our minds are mended and our spirits are healed and maybe even our bodies are healed too. Uh, that, we, that we exist to love each other, to find this healing, but then we are sent out so that others might find that same healing and forgiveness and release. If we are gathered, it is so that we might be sent. We're going to receive the Lord's Supper here in a second. Um, and so I think... Uh, I think we need to ask ourselves two questions as we prepare ourselves for that. One, we need to ask ourselves, what is it that I might need to be freed from? What thing is keeping me in bondage? Where am I not the whole and healthy person that God has created me to be? I think when we, we do that searching within ourselves, sometimes maybe it allows us to be a little bit more honest with ourselves and we can say, this is it. And then say to the folks that are sitting near to you or who aren't here today, 
I am broken. I am entrapped. I need healing. Will you help me? I think the second question is, how can I help someone else find the healing and the freedom that I have received? I think we can do both things at the same time, by the way. Uh, we, we talked about it in Bible study this morning. Like, our responsibility to each other is not necessarily to, to lead out in front of each other, but to say, come and walk with me We'll do this thing together. We will figure it out together. We will become whole and healed and restored together. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.